Good evening. You're listening to Two's Company with George Watts and Joel Butcher. Brought to you by Star. Good afternoon, everyone. The red team, without a clear strategy and under dubious leadership, went out with a whimper despite collapse in London in a week where blue was the colour and that was just the local elections. Arsenal collapse, Cardiff reluctantly save Wayne Rooney and will very belatedly react to the Man United protest. Good evening. Good evening. I'm in love with the shape of Una, 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 Una. Are you in an acapella group? Uh, I had no idea. Uh, I dabble. I dabble here and there. How you doing, George? How is, how's the week? I'm absolutely knackered, Joel. Absolutely yeah. knackered. For the first time since I've been back in St Andrews, I'm doing this show just laying like a little starfish on my bed. Oh. What? Why are you so knackered, George? What, what are you doing? That's what I'm doing. I'm laying like a starfish on my bed. And did you? Uh, George had an exam yesterday, so he's uh, mm-hmm. and he had a long meeting well, today. That's so. the problem. It's like two two elections in a row. You'll remember from 2019, Joel, when oh, I had yeah. a 9:30 exam after the disaster. There was the 2019 <laughs> general election. I was up until 5 a.m. and then had to be at the sports hall by 9.30. Little did I know that would be my last ever in-person exam at university. Do we have, do we have none which next is mental. year? Do we know we have none next year? All exams are confirmed to be virtual next year. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Last ever. And it was that one. The one where you just felt the worst, the worst in the world. Yeah. Uh, like I felt sort of like I was hallucinating when I was in that exam. Like I felt like I was watching someone do an exam. I didn't feel like I was doing an exam. <laughs> You'd have been disassociated. That but was, yesterday where, that was, was the election where we thought that was the election where we thought it might be our turn to win, but it turned out that it wasn't our turn to win at all. It was very yeah. much still not our turn. Very much the opposite of our turn. I yeah. not our turn. This this week remains. <laughs> Not after yeah. winner stays on, and we're not, you know, not going well. <laughs> but and then so then on Friday, like on Thursday, obviously we all cast our votes. I mean, not Joel because Joel forgot to vote because Joel's a bad. I did not it? forget to vote. Thank you very much. Had to self isolate on the day. Joel had to self isolate on the day. I literally made a note in my phone weeks in advance, being like, "I'm going to vote for this person, this person, this person." And then we had to self isolate, and I didn't know about the emergency proxy. Anyway, so I can do anything yeah anyway but um, anyway. but yeah but rather than just counting through the night on thursday as i thought was happening so i was like okay cool i'll stay up all night thursday sleep until like five on friday and then stay up through friday night and do my exam 9 30 yeah. on saturday and then sleep after it i thought well, yeah. that's a very healthy way to <laughs> do balance. things balance that- life balance <laughs> That's a balanced work sleep. But then it turns out the coverage was just all day Friday. So then I was there, like, trying to study. And the lecturer, he kind of told us what the topics were going to be in the exam. And so, like, I studied them. But then I ended up doing completely different questions because I didn't like the questions. Absolute nightmare, I swear to God. But it's over now. How many more have you got? How many more exams? I've got one more. But I was, like, so engrossed recently in like obviously i just been on twitter or watching the news yeah, and, yeah. or ranting to my friends about the election mm-hmm. and so like i managed to write my first essay which had nothing to do with it whatsoever on the hartlepool by-election which is fun um i so why don't we abandon football altogether joel and just talk about you know what it's only because of the benefits of brexit that we're able to stop existential threats to our borders like the european super league you know boris said that you know he said that in hartlepool he was like it's only because of brexit that we can stop the european oh he's done exactly what we all knew they were going we we knew we knew that the conservative party were going to play it as you know we saved the working man's game look at us we knew it was going to happen and it started already it started so soon after after the event, oh, that's that's distasteful, isn't it? Um, it's just wrong. It's just wrong. Yeah, also, I don't know if Boris Johnson knows where he was, but there was no prospect of Hartlepool going into the <laughs> European Super League. Are they, the, are they in the National League? I think they're in the National League. They are. They're top of the National League going into the final day as far 
because I know according to my um, according to my football knowledge. Let me look. Yeah, National League table. Oh no, they ended up fourth. That's me wrong. <laughs> Talking Talkie United. Talkie United a first. Yeah. Sutton a second. Stockport a third. It's been a while since Torquay were on FIFA. Jesus. I, they, um, they fell right down, didn't they? They were like Ifsmian level. They went down, down. Uh, okay. I don't know yeah. if they're actually Phoenix. I don't know if they were reborn. But they basically, they were completely bankrupt. And now they're looking like they're going to return to the big time, i.e. on my road to glory FIFA career <laughs> mode. The they've got... If they've still got the same badge, because when you go onto the sort of Google um, table, it doesn't have their badge. So I hope they still have that same iconic 2006-7 Torquay United badge. What did it look like? It was just yellow and blue, but I just really liked it. I just associated oh, no. it with you'll, like... You'll be, you'll be disappointed. If you Google it right now, you'll be disappointed. Will I? Yeah, yeah. look at their like, Wikipedia page. You're not going to enjoy it. I've, I've Googled Torquay United. Oh, no! Yeah, it's That's big awful. The it, one that looks like—they've like, gotten no two arrowheads. It's just two arrows. It's just two upward arrows with eighteen ninety-nine written on it. That to is me, that awful. looks like an M. That looks like an M, but they don't begin with an, an M. They have no M in their name. So um, there must be. It's like what too. like this is as bad as what Oldham did. What did Oldham? Oldham. Like they did a similar thing. Like they had a cool big badge. just sort of tried to modernize and like make it sexy it doesn't look sexy it looks ridiculous football clubs like below below the third tier should not be allowed to have shiny badges that shouldn't <laughs> should, be allowed they shouldn't, they shouldn't be allowed to change it at all they should just have to keep their badge until they get to they like should finish. every club should have to keep their 2006 7 badge <laughs> and I'm sorry that I don't make the rules, but that's just oh, how it's supposed to be. Bring Portsmouth's really nice one back as well. Portsmouth's yeah. one from then was absolutely lovely. Um, speaking of all this grassroots football, George, do you want to talk about the uh, the final day of the championship, which of course involved the the great Cardiff City? Do you want to explain the, the Cardiff fan position of the day? Because it, it was an interesting because you were involved in a game with Rotherham, who obviously in, in well, the relegation obviously, at the time. Yeah, obviously Rotherham were playing at the CCS, the famous Cardiff City Stadium. Um, as, <laughs> as Derby County took on the mighty Sheffield Wednesday. Led out by Callum Patterson. And essentially, Rotherham, because Rotherham had a ridiculous amount of games in hand, yeah. they fluffed it big time, and they needed to win at Cardiff and hope that Derby drew yeah. or lost. Right, that was essentially what Rotherham needed. Sheffield Wednesday could win, but as long as Rotherham won and Derby failed to win, then Rotherham would stay up. And Rotherham scored against Cardiff within the first twenty minutes, and Derby went behind. Meaning at half time, Derby would have needed two goals, and Cardiff would have needed to concede. Um, like Cardiff would have needed to score. However, however, Derby did score two goals. And then they conceded a goal, and then they conceded another goal, and then and then they scored. So three all. They're drawing, which is not enough to save them. But Marlon Pack scores a deflected, awful goal in the 88th minute for Cardiff, consigning Rotherham to their fate. And I think I can speak on behalf of the entire <laughs> championship community when I say we were all absolutely devastated when Derby didn't go down because Twitter has been full of the, the worst takes imaginable in the last last 24 hours. Talking about how Wayne Rooney is the saviour of Derby County, how he's a future England manager, how he's done the mission impossible, done something that no other manager in the oh, world man. could have done. He's been, oh, they've been really That's bad for a say. lot of weeks now. They've basically never looked that good under him at all. With a, no. squad, that base, with a squad that basically shouldn't be anywhere near relegation. It, it should be a squad in, at mid-table at, at worst, really. They just they they minimum were they were bad when he came in, and he hasn't really improved them. Ultimately, they just fluked some results from having a decent team that can score a few goals. It's such a ridiculous thing to think that this is like a grand victory for the English manager because 
It, it wasn't. And it, this doesn't really show that much about him at all, other than early mediocrity in management. Yeah, and I think also people were annoyed at, um, like, 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 like people didn't really think it's fair that Wednesday have gone down mm. because of their financial troubles. Because obviously they'd have stayed up if it weren't well, comfortably. The well, they, they did very well. And to there's get that kind of thing going on as well. Yeah, because I, because as I said to you before the show, the Rotherham manager was visibly upset. So he knew that Rotherham had gone down, and he was clearly gutted about that. Mm. But it was like rubbing sort of salt into the wound when he found out that Wednesday had gone down as well. Mm. And I think he said verbatim in his interview, um, "I've got a lot of things I shouldn't say about that." And he was clearly pissed off that Derby didn't get relegated. Mm. And obviously, obviously, it was like the battle of the old Diffians. Because on one hand, you know, David Marshall, captain of Derby, you never want to see him get relegated. But on the other hand, if Callum Patterson had sent down Rooney's Rams, oh, oh my God, he's already my favourite footballer of all time. But then he would migrate into being my favourite human that- being to ever exist. It would have completed the two's company cinematic universe in the way that, like, you know, the culmination of the Avengers, yeah, bit, like, it'd be like rounded you know, off all these things from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Two's company would have almost had to. We 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 might not be on air be on air today if Callum Patterson no. condemned Wayne Rooney to his fate as manager <laughs> of Derby County with Sheffield Wednesday, the former club of Connor Wickham and the Darren Moore and Darren Moore's club stayed in the league. It would have been everything. <laughs> everything. All was we there. needed now. All we need, like, like all we would have needed, would be Musa to transfer from United <laughs> to Wednesday, and then be the cha- like top score in the championship next season. Oh. If Sheffield Wednesday win promotion, <laughs> the expense of Swansea in the playoff final. <laughs> that's what we need. Sadly, that's not going to happen. Uh, just before we move on, just before we move on, and I ask you about Arsenal, and I get to turn my mic off while you rant about that for ten minutes or so. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious. So, you, you, you know, you talked about how the cinematic universe sort of like, you know, how Marvel has their phase one, phase two and all their different movies. Mm. And sort of the most recent phase ended with Avengers Endgame. Mm. And now we're moving on to like a new era in the Marvel. I don't know that much about the Marvel no, Cinematic Universe. I don't know how I was able to talk about it for that long. But basically, obviously, since the, since the inception of Two's Company, organically over the course of season one, you know, our pilot <laughs> series, if you will, um, before we became sort of embedded in the star Arati and guaranteed to show until the end of time. You know, we've always, we've always placed a big emphasis on Connor Wickham and Takafusa Kubo. And I think the, the emphasis on Connor Wickham has always made sense because it's always been a bit of a meme, like, of course he's not playing, mm. you know? However... What I'm worried about is Takafusa Kubo was meant to be because he was a really wholesome guy who seems really lovely, who looked like he could go on and push on to big things and have a great career. And we were like in before, you know, everyone was going to be raving about how amazing he was. You know, we wanted to be edgy and cool and be the first people, the first sort of football hipsters on the star community to recognise Takafusa Kubo's greatness before he obviously went on to score a triple hat-trick in the Champions League final. But he's, he, he yesterday, in perhaps the most embarrassing moment of... The fledgling um, career. The most embarrassing moment of Kubo Corner yet was an unused substitute in a 1-0 defeat against Ibar, where the only goal was an 89 like, you know, minute penalty. They didn't fancy that Kubo spark. could provide a spark against Ibar. And I don't know about you, sad. but that, 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 that sort of really terrifies me. You know, what know if next year he goes... Like, you know, and I, and I know we talked about the volume, um, like the value of him going to a Segunda division side. I'd love personally for him to go back to Mallorca. I don't know how they're doing in um, the, in the Segunda division. Segunda division. How do we think they're doing in the Segunda division? Like the mid-table. Okay, they're second. Espanyol, oh. who I'd forgotten had been relegated at first. And Mallorca a second. But you oh, know what? he could have been there. He could have been I'd there love him. To... You know what would be great? You know, he should go to like Tenerife or or, or he should go to Zaragoza. That would be cool. Real Because Real, Val- Real Zaragoza are currently languishing in 15th in the Segunda Division. 
Oh, you could lead them back to the top table. Because the good thing about Zaragoza is they've still got the same badge that they had in 2006. <laughs> that, that, that is a good sign about that. That, <laughs> that is a good sign. Agafu Sakubo was only six at the time. And he'd never <laughs> known another Real Zaragoza badge. Yeah, excellent. Uh, yeah. I, it's, you know, we got to the point with Wickham where we were asking, you know, if you're out there, Connor, let us know you say. We don't want to get to that point with our boy, Kuba. Yeah, because Jack has got a million Instagram followers. I don't want to see them slowly dwindle as the years go by. <laughs> you know? So, Taka, if you're out there, if you're out there and you're listening. No, don't say you. let us know you're safe. Don't say that. <laughs> don't say that, Joel. We're not in that uh, place yet. We're not there yet. So, Kuba Corner is very much in danger. We'll, we'll keep you posted. Um... Yeah. Oh, before we go on to Arsenal, Junior Hoyler announced today that he's leaving Cardiff because his, his contract's up and they're not extending it. Um, yeah. He's not said where he's going next, but he gave a nice little Twitter thanks he to did. the fans and the staff and it was lovely. What, do you want to give us a little nugget of your memories of the man? That is I think Hoyler? he would work really well with Kubo at Zaragoza. And I, hope, <laughs> I hope that's where he goes. It's obviously weird because obviously he's not part of that first generation of Cardiff stalwarts that I remember. Mm. He's now very much part of that, like that second generation. So when I started, you know, being cognizant of my existence as a human being and starting to take in things around me and then made the first rational decision of supporting Cardiff City Football Club, we're in sort of 2007, 2008, 2009, which is kind of like, the end of an era really and there are all these players that I don't have contextualized at all because they were like yeah. the players that were there when I started supporting the team your Steve McPhail's you know you're like Robbie Fowler's your Dimi Constantopoulos your Jasper <laughs> Schmeichel's your Tony Capaldi's your Roger Johnson's all of these guys sorry I'll stop um, and um, <laughs> it sounds like you doing just a minute but basically um he's that third generation now because obviously then after that we had sort of the whittingham's and all of that lot you know um, it's fair to uh, call it the whittingham years to be yeah the whittingham years and he is the sort of the first player that's like a long-standing veteran of the club that joined after we got to the Premier League, you know, because obviously we were promoted in 2013-14 and that was like after knocking on the door for sort of 70 years or whatever it was. Mm. Well, no, like, 70, like 50 years since we've been in the Premier League or since we've been in the top flight of English football. And he was yeah. like, like, he's the first player, sort of the first post-Premier League player that's been around for a long time. So he has a lot of symbolism and he's come up with a lot of big goals and he's just a lovely guy, and he's Canadian, which adds to it. And yeah, I'm going to miss him a lot. Yeah, yeah. He's like, the reverse. Not had, like, like no hard feelings for him leaving. You know, he hasn't had a shoe in, or, like you know, under under McCarthy. So don't blame mm. the lad for buggering off. But like, yeah, the reverse Robin that is Junior Hoyler, cutting in off the off the left, curling in effort. I think basically every week for his whole career, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, curling yep. in those goals into the far corner. I think that's fair. So, yeah. Precisely. So, he, he was at QPR before, wasn't he? You know, I, I enjoyed him there as well. Anyway, that's Junior Hoylet. We wish him the best wherever he goes. Um, uh, that's Cardiff in the Championship. We'll move on to Arsenal as, as reluctant. I, I want to say reluctant, but the anger that I feel is not, it's not directed at the players. And it's not really even directed at Arteta. But the, the, the Arsenal performance that we saw in midweek was, it was the, the worst Arsenal I've seen. Yeah. Certainly in my, in my memory at the moment. But what the thing is, it's, it's, it's chickens coming home to roost at the end of the day. It's, it's a club that the own, whose owners, we were talking about this last year, whose owners cut down the scouting department to, uh, to kind of focus on an agent on an agent-led model of recruitment and it's hiring uh, an inexperienced manager who's going to need to learn on the job. It's, it's, it's ill-equipping a manager who already won't have the experience to make these good decisions and giving him players that aren't scouted for their character, 
and aren't actually scouted from the large the large pool of players that other top clubs recruit from, i.e. everyone, because we've been recruiting players from a particular agent and an agency. And we we said when that when that news came out that that would lead to a poor, poorer quality of players coming in because it doesn't allow the kind of the leadership character scouting that other clubs implement, like Liverpool have implemented so well in their squad, and it just cuts down the number of players we can choose from. And we're seeing now the the, the result of that we don't have a specialised replacement left back, for example. So Granit Xhaka was meant to be there on Thursday, got injured in the warm up, and an, and like a half fit Kieran Tierney came in and could barely, you know, couldn't dominate the left hand side as he as he normally would have done. We, the only other player who plays left-back is Cedric Suarez, a, cl- a client of this agent who is right-footed and doesn't play left-back particularly well anyway. We, the club has made all these poor decisions and it's everything that we, we kind of thought the, 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 the consequences of hiring a young manager. Who has made all these poor decisions? Who do you mean is making all of these poor decisions? Well, I mean, cutting down the scouting department to save money That'll be the owners led led that the owners will have led that would have asked the kind of sporting directors and the chairman to to try and cut costs and that could be a place where they cut costs. Um, and in terms of like hiring an experienced manager, that could have been a decision from the sporting director Edu, or that could have been. I mean, the owner would have signed off on it for sure. But I don't know who makes the decisions. But the club has made these decisions that are now coming home to roost on the night. Like I said, that Shaka injury had an impact because Shaka would have been at left back and he's not very good there, but at least he, we know what he can and can't do. Whereas Tierney kept trying to kind of bomb forward and dominate his flank, but then couldn't recover in the way that he would have normally. Thomas Partey, who I think is the best footballer footballer at our club. He was left on his own to be the sole defensive midfielder, the, the sole midfielder who wasn't a number 10, basically. He had so, so many VRL players between him and any other Arsenal player. He was just surrounded by all these midfielders, every time he got the ball and tried to turn as he normally does to find kind of line-breaking passes, he just had a, not a single option. He was like an island in, like, in an ocean. It was, the pressure on him was unbearable. And by the end of the game, he was absolutely knackered because he, he's never been a, a, a sole defence midfielder kind of player. He's, he's a player that needs to have some support with him. And it was, it was terrible. Uh, going forward, we created so little. We were so flat and so slow and... Callum Chambers might have helped that from right back because he has done pretty well this season there. But Bayern was there and he kept coming inside and not making the overlapping runs to get him behind and actually cause a problem. Martinelli, I don't know what Gabriel Martinelli needs to do to get a start this season. He's been he's been our best attacking threat for weeks, but he's just consistently been left out and only brought on for the last ten minutes in Thursday. Players just weren't stretching the defense. They would go in behind at like the wrong times. They'd go in behind when there was no no one no chance of a pass actually finding them, and they wouldn't go in behind when we were looking to actually kind of break up the play and stretch the defence. Saka is excellent. We know how good Saka is, but he often looks to come in and get the ball to feet, then beat a man. He needs other people going behind, and that wasn't happening. Aubameyang was taken off with 10 minutes to go, having been the only player to actually get any chance. He hit hit the post twice in the game. And then he got taken off with 10 minutes to go for, like, Willian and Lacazette. Willian came on. It's just, what is what did Arteta think? Willian could possibly have done in that situation. He put him on the left of the pitch as well, where all Willian does is cut onto his right foot and try across, which was getting us nowhere. Like Willian, Willian's a human being. I'm not going to like lay into him personally, but his performances have been bad this season. He's clearly struggled to find any form and any confidence, and he's not. He's he's always been used off the left, which is just not. He's always been a pressing winger and a crossing winger from the left. That's never ever been. He's not been not playmaker or a dribbler, which is what players off the left of our system generally need to be. It all it is, everything we saw on Thursday is just exactly what the decisions that the club were always going to lead to. And I don't know what the decision makers thought would happen other than this. It, it's so disappointing, and it's so we we were. The, do you remember us talking about this? Talking about the kind of agent led recruitment. And I do, yeah, but I never quite understood. Like I've like like. I, I I know that we've talked about it. What I never quite understood is why it actually happens. Like who it benefits except that it agent? Makes it cheaper for the club. So it's sort of like a Costco kind of deal, you know? Well, yeah, like we get a special deal with this agent to get all his players for a bit less money, and you know, to kind of grease the wheels of these deals that other deals. But surely, like 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 that's a very reductive way of saying it saves money. 
Because what would save Arsenal money would be being in the Champions League. Well, exactly. Exactly. It's... Tell you, you what, I watched that game on clear. Thursday and I thought, I just kept thinking, Arsenal should give a shot to the the guy who was managing Villarreal. He seemed like he knew oh, what he was doing. Mate. I mean, at the end of the day, there's no way of knowing whether Emery would be doing better. I don't know. Like, the squad is lacking in a num- is lacking in any leadership. The squad is lacking in any. Uh, lo- the squad is lacking in lots of ways. Who knows whether whether another manager would do better? But we have we have hired a manager who has never managed before this club. We can't now treat him as if he's any other manager because he's not. We've hired him on the basis of him improving with the team, and now we kind of have to either be completely inconsistent in our policy, which obviously is not unlikely, or we have to trust that he has potential and will grow. Like like when you play a young player, you don't expect him to be perfect and you expect him to grow as he goes on. That could be the same for a coach. We've said on this podcast before that we don't think that should happen at Premier League clubs because that seems silly to to put such kind of, take such a risk on a manager who's who's meant to be meant to be improving over what can be a very long career. So we could wait till later in their career once the improvement might have happened. Like with Lampard at Chelsea, it seemed silly to fire him considering you'd hired him knowing that he wasn't an experienced manager. But we've made that decision now and I don't think disposing of him would be the right thing. I don't think it, I doubt it would be a particularly, particular improvement. I don't think, yeah. The only way change is going to come is structural change on the higher levels of the club. Yeah. And that's beyond Arteta's control. But like, he's not shown anything to suggest that he deserves the job. Wouldn't you say? Like, he's not like, yeah. Okay. Maybe there are all of these factors, but the mm. bottom line is he's not offered anything realistically to inspire Arsenal fans. Some call him the starmer of the so-called self-star mm. big sticks in the sense you that he's got all these, he's got all these things he can blame. You know, he can blame his chairman. He can blame, you know, the person who was there before him. But the reality is he doesn't, he, he's not offering a vision. He's not offering a way forward for the club. Is he? You're right. You're right in that he hasn't done anything to prove he does deserve. He's, there are, like, there have been moments where we've looked good, and that's kind of the case with every manager. But that doesn't mean he's proved himself to be worthy of the job. But I saw an interesting point on Twitter. It's like, we're expecting a better performance from, from Arteta and his team than anyone else at the club is actually maintaining at the moment. And like, that doesn't make it okay what he's doing, but it would seem, I, I think it would seem reductive to, to get rid of him thinking that would improve the, the affairs on the pitch, because I don't think it really would when, when, he, when he tries to buy someone in the summer, the club will go, no, sorry, we're not going to buy you that lovely centre-back you really want. We're going to get Chelsea's rejected centre-back. Like, uh, that, that is not conducive to any kind of improvement on the pitch, really. Uh, like, the t- there's, a, there's a lot of talk at the moment about, about a possible takeover by the Swedish Daniel Ek, who owns Spotify. Um, he's a billionaire, and, you know, far, from, far be it my job to tell everyone why billionaires are back because we've done that before and Daniel Ek clearly, <laughs> clearly does exploit musicians by paying them an extraordinarily small amount of money for every listen they get of their track but the way let's be very clear about what have we got any royalties from. yet Joel from our Spotify no no that's sure no. Uh, either that or I'm, I'm embezzling them all but uh, no Oh, that um, would be scandalous. <laughs> no, like I, I upload our podcast through Anchor and Anchor only allows advertisement on their podcast in the US at the moment, but they're developing a UK version of their advertising scheme. So maybe soon, but not as of yet, I'm afraid. It'd be, uh, we, I think it'd be we, very we, not be okay of us to have advertisements in our podcast. No, we, no, it would be silly to try that when we've got like two listens. Um, anyway. <laughs> We got twelve today, uh, Joel. Oh, hello, everyone. So let's be very clear first of all what the Cronkies actually think of Arsenal. They, they, for no, they first of all, can we recognise that it's a hilarious surname? I feel like that's something that Cronkies. has to happen. And it's Cronkies. K R O E N K Kronka. I don't even know. Some people say Kronka, so I'm going to go with Cronky because it sounds like donkey, which we like. Um, it's it. 
it's only a, an aspect of a very vast investment portfolio for him, like for Stan and Stan Kroenke and the rest of his family. It's not something he pays any attention to, just as you, like, he only pays attention to it in as much as whether, whether there's money coming in, whether it's increasing in value or not, basically. He also owns the LA Rams, who are an NFL team, who basically never really challenged to go to the playoffs or win, win the Super Bowl or anything like that. They, he moved them from St. Saint, from Saint Louis to LA just for the, you know, obviously for the cash. It, it, he also owns the Nuggets, who are decent in the NBA, and like, I think he owns an MLS team who don't do much either. Those teams are purely, we can learn from that, that he sees his, his Rams team as just a franchise that sits in the NFL, brings in the huge revenue that the NFL does anyway, and he doesn't care about the sporting success because why would he care about the sporting success, right? It's, it's doing its job for him. It's giving money to his portfolio and whatever. That really is, is not going to be any different for Arsenal. He's seeing Arsenal as a team that if they sit in the Premier League, up after the Premier League, qualify for Europe most years, that isn't gonna. It isn't gonna. When did he initially start? Really. Like, like when did he take over at Arsenal? He became majority shareholder at some point in the 2010s, and like has bought all the shares at some point very recently. At some point, I think in the late 2010s, there was a forced buyout of all the shares to go to him. Like that means they got forcibly taken off all kinds of people who are owning shares in the club. So there's there's no one owning it other than him at the moment. There's not even like any minority ownership from anyone else. I don't think. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like it's he does not see it as anything other than a, a company that sits in his portfolio and will just bring in the money. It's not any. There's no ambition because of why would he? He doesn't need to have any ambition as far as he's concerned. It's doing his job. Yeah. The only thing that could change his mind is consistently inconvenient, like consistent inconvenience for him. And I don't know whether like a long-term fan protest. That hasn't worked at Man United. Are you inciting a riot, Joel? That that didn't didn't work over Man United's years of peaceful anti-Glazer protests. We'll talk about the the non-peaceful ones later. But after the break, if if Arsenal fall far enough, he might find it to not be profitable anymore. And but by then, I don't know who's going to buy Arsenal from him. That, yeah. So I don't know. At the moment, the public stance from the Cronkies is they're not going to sell. But we can't really learn much from that because. If you if you say anything different, the price goes down. So we can't learn from that stance. But he's never shown any interest in selling in the past. It's I don't think get worse than the Cronkies. I think Daniel Ek has got on board these people that we like and has put forward ambitions for fan ownership on the board or fan not fan ownership fan representation on the board at least. And that kind of stuff I I I don't like Daniel Ek, but if it's better for my club, I would still prefer that than the Cronkies. Ultimately. Yeah, and it's just incredibly... well. On that lovely note, oh, man. Maz, would you like to go to a quiz it. question? Yes, give me yours. Let's go. This weekend, as we talked about in the first ten to twelve minutes of the show, brought an end to the championship season. I also recently discovered a Twitter account called. Football Fan Bios, which is a hilarious Twitter account, Joel. You must follow it. It's just screenshotting all of these people's um, accounts. And one of them was like, love, love Chelsea, um, hate woke snowflakes, too many, too many foreigners in Prem, love grassroots football. That was basically one of the bios. So in an ode to that man, yeah. I want you to name to me the 12 clubs who have qualified for the Football League playoffs that are commencing in the next fortnight. Uh, how is that an ode to that man? <laughs> because it's about grassroots football. Okay. Uh, oh, because he loves it by supporting Chelsea. Um, yeah. I, my, I've got a quiz for you. It's only five questions long, and I'm actually going to only give it to you after the break because it's not one that is a... a what do you mean time. you're only going to give it to me after the break? Not... That's nonsense. Oh, fine, give me the question. Fine, 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 fine. So I've, I've compiled a list of three-letter abbreviations. We talked in the past about how good Arsenal's three-letter abbreviation is because it's arse and it can be made arse cry when they play against... Oh, OK, players. so you're going to ask me what the clubs I'm are. You, I'm going to give you some three-letter abbreviations. And you're OK, yeah, 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 yeah. Do that after so the gonna, break. We're going to do that after the break. See? Yeah. Trust the process, man. I don't always trust the process because you could have just been doing me dirty there, sir. <laughs> I could have given you the worst question. Put on the okay. tunes. We'll see you in a few minutes. 
Right then, George. We'll start with uh, let's start with my answers to your question. You're Gosh, on that YouTube terrified me, Joel. That terrified me. I just re-downloaded Score. I just downloaded Score Hero Two, so I was just playing that. During the break. <laughs> you weren't okay. You didn't have a quiz question to prepare for, of course. Okay, course. Uh, my answers. The championship ones I know are Bournemouth, Barnsley, Swansea, and Brentford. Well so done, Joel. Prove my, my grassroots knowledge. My uh, League One, I think it's Sunderland and Lincoln are definitely in there, right? Yeah. And then we know Oxford got in there on the last day. Yeah. My next, my final answer, I think, is going to be I'm, I'm weighing up between Doncaster and Ipswich. I'm going to go Doncaster. Okay. Doncaster finished 14th. Oh, they were doing well at one point. Okay, then Ipswich. Is it Ipswich? Ipswich finished ninth. Okay, who's the who's the final one then? Blackpool. Ah, okay. And then League Two, Newport. Yep. Forest Green Rovers. Yep. Morecambe. Yep. I don't know the last one. Tranmere. That was good showing. <sighs> Ten out of twelve. Five okay, over George. six. Speak, speak for like 10 seconds while I go get the front door. I'm really sorry. Okay. Hello, people. It's a pleasure to be here with you this evening. I'm actually making a chicken biryani for dinner. But one of oh, my Jesus. flatmates what? has recently gotten a, a vegan girlfriend, so I'm going to have to make a vegan version as well. <laughs> sorry, I was just telling them about my dinner plans. <laughs> Sounds like a good, sounds like a good little segment. We should, we should, we should, we should, we should keep that segment. Okay. <laughs> My quiz for you, Mr. Watts. Uh, three letter abbreviations. Uh, inspired, I should let you know. What do you think PSG's three letter abbreviation would be on the scoreboard? PRS. No, PAR. Oh, you, I was going to say PAR, but I thought that. obviously it's not PAR. God. What? Are, why is it not just PSG? Everyone knows. I don't know. But obviously, you wouldn't have asked me that question if it was just PSG, obviously. would you? Well, you're gonna have to buckle in. This is. We'll start off with an easy one. Start off with an easy one. So, what do you think the, the club for the abbreviation C A R is? Nice and easy. Keep it. Cardiff City. Probably not. Yeah, I thought you. You know, thought you'd know this one. See, Carabao. Carabobo from Venezuela? Surely. Cardiff City is CBS. It's also Cardiff. No, Cardiff City is CBS. Like, no, sorry. When I watch Cardiff City play on iFollow, it's well, CAR. Well, on the official, uh, the official championship scoreboards, it will actually be CDF, I'm afraid to say. Okay. Right. You, know, you didn't tell me what kind of abbreviations. The three-letter one that appears on the scoreboard. Are you uh, made questions about, that are impossible to answer? Is this what you've done? A-S-A-S-T. You should know this one. Astana? That's incredible. I was absolutely... Oh, that's unbelievable. <laughs> Astana <laughs> from Kazakhstan. What an answer. God, As, God. I, I was convinced you were going to get zero out of five or six. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I am Jesus, the football genius. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. I'll make it easy. C-H- C-H-L. What country are they in? Oh, that's too much of a clue, mate. Chelmsford? Mm, the Chilean national team, mate. Come on. Uh, oh. LFC. LFC. Easy one. No, it's not, is it? <laughs> Um, I'll give you a clue. It starts with Liv. It starts with Liv. Oh! Livorno Football Club? No, Livingston. Livingston. Oh, my days. Oh, my days. HBN. What country is this from? Too much of a clue. What do you mean, too much of a clue? <laughs> From no, because no, it would expose the whole point. Is of the it question. the nation? Is it the nation? No, 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 no. I don't know. Habanas. It's, it's Hibernians from Malta. Oh, okay. Not, okay. not Hibernian. Hibernians. The Malta. Oh, okay. The, Hibernians. The club. Yeah, yeah. You know them. You know them. Well, uh, at least I got one. I got one more. MCI. 
Man City. Oh, I wanted you to go to a really obscure one again. Yeah, it's Man City. Two out of six. <laughs> Fair play. That I wanted you to. So oh, I was hoping you were just going to come right down there. You know, whatever the whatever word I'm looking for is, whatever expression Astana. is. Astana. I'm straight Astana. into my track. Astana. Oh, yeah, that was that was a mind blowing answer to hit us hit us with an Astana. Um, I mean, excellent news from Joe. Excellent knowledge from the boy. The Kazakh Kazakhstan. football should be on my um, um it should be my mastermind specialist subject. <laughs> um, a week ago, when we weren't on air. We, we, yeah, Why we, weren't we on air? Because you couldn't be bothered. Yeah, well, what was I doing? I was doing something family. You were a family barbecue. I was a, a lovely barbecue. Absolutely lovely. Um, while it was pissing while we buckets there, in Scotland. While, we, while that was all going on, George texted me saying, pretty unprecedented circumstances here. It'd be nice if some pseudo-intellectual... <laughs> uh, Football fans were live on the air covering it. <laughs> to cover and react to it. Of course, we're talking about the Manchester United fan protests at Old Trafford. It was, it was a, like a kind of a scene we hadn't. I don't, I've never seen anything like it before. Really, fans started off outside in a in a peacefulish march around the stadium with flares and banners and everything. Um, then some broke into the stadium and were on the pitch and keeping the protests going and like shouting up to the the Sky Sports kind of platform where they all stand and do their stuff. And then yeah. they all got escorted out, and then they broke in again. I think I think actually they actually broke in twice, which is quite funny. But there was a fair <laughs> bit of criminal. There was a fair bit of criminal damage. A couple of uh, police officials were were injured, and there was also a very well coordinated plan to send some fans to the Lowry Hotel where the players were staying and block yeah. the bus from leaving, and have fans at the place where the bus would enter the would like arrive at the stadium, blocking that as well. So it was very much planned. At least by some, with the aim of calling the game, of having the game called off, which was ultimately successful. Obviously, that game was called off and is now happening this Thursday. But what we wanted to talk about was the. I think we want to talk about the reaction to it, right? What? Yeah. We saw on match of the day two that they, they devoted rather. Obviously, they couldn't show the highlights of the game because it didn't happen, and instead they spent kind of five or ten minutes talking about it and saying how awful it was and how it was the wrong way to protest and how you know the message is right, but. This yeah, how you do as opposed to the right way to protest, because obviously yeah. United fans like that's like saying, oh, the gov- like we're angry with the way that things are being run, but we're only going to listen to you if you show your discontent in a way that is like sufficiently within undestructive North- for yeah. us within the ways that things are run at the moment that we don't that you don't like. It's it, the, it's come back to this coverage of protests that is so problematic that focuses on method rather than message because. There's all this talk where, like, so much of the coverage of protests ends up focusing on the way the way the protests has happened and how that might discredit the message. When the media companies that are reacting to it are the ones discrediting the message, right? They could very much decide to not let it discredit the message. They could yeah. decide, oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna keep bringing up the criminal damage. I'm just gonna talk about the message of the protest, thus not discrediting it. it it's such a, it, it completely misses the point. Disruption of how your, if your football club is the problem and you want to disrupt that football club, what options do you have other than disrupting the process of a football match from happening? And that's exactly Especially when fans doing. haven't that's been able to be in the stadium for almost, you know, you know, for a year and a half, it'll be. Yeah. Like, this is quite literally the only place, the only way they can do anything that actually disrupts things. Just standing outside, the Glazers would not bat an eyelid, because ultimately, for the last 15 years since they bought the club, regular, regular fan protests inside outside the grounds in all in virtually all forms they've protested peacefully and it got nowhere because the, the i mean I, I mean they even founded an entire football club exactly to protest and like none of it's worked because ultimately the glazers can ignore it and it hasn't damaged the product on the pitch i mean ultimately because game's gone because game's gone therefore they could do all this and like this the pearl clutching in the media of goodness how can they break into our hallowed turf stadiums like this stadium is old anyway <laughs> security measures clearly aren't any good and what like you've speaking for all this time over the last couple of weeks being like the football clubs belong to the fans the fans are the important ones they're the real stakeholders in the game 
they should they should be listened to. And then when fans actually go and express an opinion in a way that isn't isn't yeah. on Five Live because they haven't got a bloody fucking show on it, what do you like this? You can say the football club belongs to the fans until the fans actually do something in action in in action for their football club to be kind of saved, and then you can get annoyed about it. And it's just hypocrisy, and it it really annoyed me because. That's the thing with protests at the moment, generally. Obviously, the society has a lot of protests going on, as a lot of people who are annoyed at how things are. I think rightly so. You can disagree, whatever. Um, but doing the discrediting by saying... You're doing the discrediting by saying this action could discredit your message. Yeah. And, like, on Match of the Day 2, they even got... They got a, a fan who was at the protest onto the show... And we're asking him, do you think this was the right way? Was this the plan? Was it always planned that you were going to hurt two policemen or some bollocks like that? Obviously not. I mean, not. you saw that video, Obviously didn't you? Of the not. policeman, like, 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 ram, like, basically, like, ramming over this guy who was just standing there completely peacefully. And they just rammed him to the ground completely unprovoked. Yeah. It, it, no one's, no one's going, this could discredit the police's message of stop doing this. It, Ah, oh, it's so a ridiculous way of covering how the how citizens have the right to speak their voice. You're not yeah. in the media. You're not you're not oh, you're not helping anyone. You're not doing anything good by doing this. You're of course no one wants the violence. Of course that like no like obviously they didn't plan to go and hurt two policemen. That isn't a good thing. But that doesn't mean that's the thing that everyone has to cover. Yeah. Also, let's bear in mind that the. The, the pricing out of hundreds of thousands of fans from going to Man United games, from having season tickets, and the, the gradual pricing out of so many people from the enjoyment of football generally. And that, that is an aggressive stance as well. What the Glazers have done in terms of upping prices, in terms of taking, taking billions out of the club to, for their own pockets when it could have been spent, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like making season tickets cheaper or, you know, paying workers who... At the club who have supported the club their entire life, yeah, that is an aggressive stance in itself. It might not be a directly violent stance, but it is an aggressive stance, and it does need to be stood up to. And that's what these fans are doing. I, I can't, I can do nothing but applaud what, the fact that they've disrupted a football match from happening because that's the only way. And you can't say it didn't work, can you? Because the Glazer, what's his face, wrote Joel Glazer. It was Joel Glazer. Is that his name? He wrote his little email, didn't he? Or he wrote his little letter that said. I'll consider part fan ownership. Wasn't that what it said? I think it's fan representation rather than fan ownership. But yeah, they'll consider it. And you know, and if if they implement any kind of it, you see Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea are going to have some fan uh, representation on their board, but only like two fans, and they can't actually vote on anything. Not you know, not right. the end. That's not the end of it. But that's a could be a step in the right direction. You know, yeah, I, I've obviously talked a lot about Arsenal already, but. Similar action from Arsenal fans could be could be something that might have an impact somehow. But but who knows, man? I don't who mean knows. this in the oh. Also, this reminded me. I was asking about the reaction of Arsenal fan TV guy to the um, Villarreal thing. Did you see it? Where you like was... the bucket and was, like really screaming? Yeah, I was just like, oh mate, come on, come on, Arsenal mate. Arsenal fan TV. I don't think it's really a problem. It's it's a YouTube channel. Every YouTube channel does dramatic things because it's to, to get a few views. They're doing that, but there were these accusations when when I think Robbie, who runs AFTV, or is certainly like the the main face of it, he went on Sky Sports News or something, or went on Talksport, one of those places, to ask to kind of talk about Arsenal's involvement in the Super League and how bad it was and everything. And then the person the person interviewing him just randomly turned and were like, "It was Ray Parler. It was Ray Parler, the former Arsenal Arsenal player on Talksport, was like." But, you know, does AFTV actually just want Arsenal to lose so it gets more views? Like, fan, t- fan YouTube channels just do their thing. Whether What people choose to watch or not, I don't think... They, they can't control whether Arsenal win or lose. Like, they, they, will, they will react to whatever happens. I think also, like, whether or not they, they hope for a loss or whatever, what, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Anyway, that's not really what we're talking about, but... Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that reaction, it might have been staged a bit, but don't really care. Like, he can do what he wants. He's, he's got a YouTube channel. He's doing his thing. 
They, I don't. I think, I think they are. They are quite annoying. Do I you think that the Arsenal them. fan base is anywhere near as passionate as the Man United fan base in the sense that they could mobilise themselves in a similar way? Because I consider the Arsenal fan base to be a bit more gentrified and a bit more, um, you know, I think quiet. In terms of, well, they're, the club's in North London, which is a very, you know, a pretty, you know, not, I don't want to say, but, you know, it's not a, I don't know what I'm saying with that. But uh, I don't, I think there was a very, very large fan protest outside the ground uh, against Everton a couple of weeks ago. That Right. That shows that there is a, an appetite to mobilise, and that that was a number of fans that 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 sorry that volume of fans could have done something similar to what Man United fans did. I think they had the numbers there to do it. Whether or not they try and break into the Emirates, I don't know. Um, I also don't know. You know, now I imagine the security measures at all these grounds, if there's any prospect of protest, are going to be much more much stronger anyway. So I don't know. Would you join the front lines? I would, yeah. I'd, I'd happily go to the ground and protest. I didn't go to the last one because what was I doing? But, I don't know. There might be something going on. But if it, if there were if there was a big protest organised, I'd probably try and get over to it. Yeah, yeah. It's just oh, it's very sad. We should probably wrap up so we have time for the anthem, as we so often don't. <laughs> oh man, this felt this felt cathartic. I, I've been dwelling I know. On I since, I hope you've enjoyed it because I've also done a good nine levels of score hero two <laughs> while you've been going on. Because since Thursday, I've been stewing on all of this. You've just been nonsense. pissed off, and I was really sad on Friday. Like I was really sad. I almost cried after the game on Thursday, and then all Friday I was just like, "Really? This is it? You, it was so bad, and it was the only thing we had left of the season. Really, you know, it was there was nothing else to play for." That was yeah, it. and we just looked like we didn't really. You don't even okay. really have the battle for ninth anymore, do you? Oh no, we've, oh, we've thrown that away. We've lost all our listeners over the course of this episode. There must have been, yeah, you're, yeah. Who knows why? Well, we, when do we have twelve listeners? We had twelve listeners at twenty past, and to by fair, the time I, it comes yeah. to the end of the episode, we have six. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. They're not. They're not real fans. They're protesting outside Star Studios as we speak, Joel. <laughs> They've lost the soul of Two's Company. They want the soul Butcher of out. Butcher out. Butcher <laughs> out. Oh, right. Thank you for listening, everyone. We'll probably see you next week. Thank you Thanks. for listening. Yeah, Have there is good, nothing else. Have a good week, everyone. Have a good week, George. Uh, how, how, how's the week looking? The week is looking like I probably should study. I'll probably just sleep a lot maybe go to the pub bye everyone thanks for listening see you soon